The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As of last week, the view from within the Watson camp was there was a chance that the grand jury that will be considering potential criminal charges against Deshaun Watson would finish its work by late October, maybe early November. The trade deadline is November 2. A.J. Perez of FrontOfficeSports.com reported yesterday that it's unlikely that the criminal probe will end before the trade deadline. And... Perez confirms, and this is something that I've consistently heard the past few weeks, there's at least one team that is still willing to do a deal with the Texans despite the possibility of an indictment, prosecution, maybe even a conviction at some point down the road. And I believe that's the Miami Dolphins. The problem is the Texans want too damn much. Peter, I'm told the Dolphins were actually calling the league office to try to get some clarity on whether or not he'd be placed on paid leave if they would trade for him. And the league has not yet even considered whether to put him on paid leave because they don't have to because the Texans have basically put him on paid leave. So a lot of moving parts here. There's still a possibility, but we're now six weeks and four days away from that window shutting for 2021. Something's going to have to happen between now and then. The Dolphins are going to have to decide two is not the guy or somebody else is going to have to have a serious injury who's interested in Deshaun Watson already and they decide let's just give them what they want. But uh I, I I saw Chris Mortensen said somewhere he thinks Watson's going to play this year. I'd bet the under on this for now. I think something's going to have to change before Watson ends up on the field for anyone other than the Texans, and he's clearly not going to be playing for the Texans. Yeah, I continue. My opinion hasn't changed in this. I mean, clearly, at some point in the future, I don't know when, Deshaun Watson's going to play football again. I just can't fathom how a team can pay a ransom for a guy who, and again, look, Mike, when I say this, it's going to sound absolutely extreme. But honestly, does anybody truly know for sure that Deshaun Watson is not going to prison, is not going to have some uh, severe 
sanction either both, maybe both from the league and legally? How do you trade for a guy if you don't know? And Mike, I'm just telling you right now, I don't think anybody in this case, anybody can be sure that on opening day 2022, that Deshaun Watson is an active quarterback in the NFL. You just simply don't know. With that being the case, how do you do that? How do you make a trade? How, if you're the Miami Dolphins, do you, you know, obviously trade to a Tonga and a bunch of things to the Houston Texans for a guy not knowing if, clearly not knowing if he's playing this year and not even being sure, making a gamble that he's playing opening day next year? Well, and it's even beyond that, Peter, because if he would be indicted and prosecuted and convicted, it would be no football in 2023, 24, 25. Who knows how long he'd be unavailable? That's the ultimate worst case scenario. And you can't remove the worst case scenario from the table until he is not indicted and prosecuted and convicted on felony charges. So first step is, will there be a grand jury finding of no indictment? If that happens, then the the issue becomes what the league would do as a result of the 22 civil complaints. And this is still a very important issue that needs to be properly handled by everyone involved. But if you remove a felony case from the potential range of outcomes, then it changes to will he be available in 2022? And I had someone explain to me a few weeks back, and this is an excellent point. It's one thing to pay him $10.5 million to not play this year, whether it's the Texans choosing to do it, or if the league would eventually intervene and say he's on the commissioner exempt list. Next year, if this is still hanging around and there's still uncertainty and Deshaun Watson is being paid to not play, it's $35 million in salary that a team is going to have to devote to have the privilege of having Deshaun Watson on the roster but not on the field. The Texans can make it work this year. No one's going to be able to make it work next year. So there's a lot that still has to happen. but I, I, and, and I think the Texans' view is very simple. Yeah, you may not have him in the short term, but you're going to have him for 10 or 15 years. That's where the value comes from. That's their attitude, and that's why they haven't wavered. I just don't know how realistic that is with this uncertainty. And again, the risk they're taking is they're the ones who are going to be paying him $35 million in 2022 if they can't find someone who will give them what they want between now and the start of next season. Mike, let's say you're the Miami Dolphins, and indeed, let's say they have a significant interest in Deshaun Watson and in trading for him before the trading deadline in early November. Let's just say, okay? Now, and let's just say that the Miami Dolphins beat Buffalo on Sunday to go 2-0. So now you're the Miami Dolphins, and you are looking at this division. You've got a two-game lead over the best team in the division, You've got at least a one-game lead over the other good team in the division, the New England Patriots. And you look at your schedule and you say, in the next eight weeks, we've got Jacksonville, Atlanta, Houston, and the Jets. I mean, you have a really good chance of being a playoff team with this team. What's the object of football? Okay, The object of football is to play every season and try to go as far as you can in that season. I mean, does it make even this much sense under those conditions for Miami to trade for a quarterback 
who there's a good chance, I don't know how good a chance, there's a good chance he's not playing football this year. I think it's insane. I think that Stephen Ross, who I believe is the driving force for this interest in Deshaun Watson, his view on it would be, I'm not going to get so bogged down by one season to lose sight of what we could be over 10 seasons if we have a guy like a Deshaun Watson, who is one of the best quarterbacks in football, who will have us in the mix every year. Not just, well, we need to get off to a good start. Maybe we get lucky here or there, and all of a sudden this year we're a contender, whereas last year we ultimately didn't make the playoffs. If you have Deshaun Watson and you have a coach you believe in, and they should believe in Brian Flores, you put it all together and you're in the playoffs every year. You become the new Patriots. I think that's what is driving this for Stephen Ross because he's willing to acknowledge there's a fundamental difference based upon what we've seen so far between Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert on one end and Tua Tonga-Vailoa on the other end, that he's not those guys. He's probably never going to be those guys. There's still a long way to go, and he could develop, and he could surprise us. But for now, one quarterback in this discussion is a clear-cut franchise guy in Deshaun Watson. The other one isn't. That's why I think there could be a willingness by Stephen Ross to make the move, even if it undermines short-term this opportunity to be a playoff team now. Because what does it mean to be a playoff team if you're not going to advance? He wants to have a playoff team that advances and goes deep into January every year like the, like he's seen the Patriots do pretty much every year that he's owned the Dolphins. All of that makes tremendous sense, Mike. If you knew, if the football gods could tell you that I, here's the first day Deshaun Watson is going to play in a football game. You can't, no one knows. So what's the hurry? I would rather overpay for Deshaun Watson in March than slightly underpay without having any idea on November 1st than, than slightly underpay on November 1st and ruin the 2021 football season. It makes no sense. Is there a way to thread the needle where you do the deal now because whatever you pay now is going to be less than when 10 teams are clamoring for Deshaun Watson if there is some certainty with his legal situation and everyone that didn't make the playoffs last year is looking to upgrade potentially at quarterback and hey here's Deshaun Watson so it is going to cost more you keep to a Tonga Vailoa he's not traded to the Texans you give them future draft picks you figure out what you're going to do with Tua later but for now Tua is our quarterback we've got Deshaun Watson we're not expecting anything out of him. We're not even going to play him this year. We're going to put him on paid leave. We're going to pay him to not play. We're going to pay him to stay in shape and learn the system. We'll use him next year. I I, I don't know that, that that works either, but that would be kind of a halfway between throwing everything overboard this year when it looks promising and also building for the future. Would Houston be willing to do that? Maybe they would be. Maybe if you gave him three ones and three twos or something like that and give him no players, maybe they would do it. The question is, do you want to ruin your draft until 2024 or 25? That's, that's the question that you have to ask. Do you want to not be able to supplement your team with very talented young players for the next three years? 
just because you want Deshaun Watson. Uh, and, and who knows, maybe in the offseason, you're able to get a two for Tua Tonga-Valoa. I, 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 don't, I, don't, I have no idea. It all depends on how he'd play this year. That at least makes a modicum of sense. But still, you know, you, you still don't have any idea when Deshaun Watson is going to play football. And you're telling the incumbent quarterback on your team, hey, we drafted you fifth overall, and we've told you for a year and a half, you're the guy, you're the guy, you're the guy. And now you are the placeholder for as long as we deem that you're going to be here. I mean, it just it's just re- really anti-team. For now, the placeholder in Houston with Deshaun Watson not playing is Tyrod Taylor by way of Baltimore, Buffalo, Cleveland, L.A. Chargers, now in Houston. And he was in Cleveland. He was the starter until he got injured. It'll be three years ago Monday on that Thursday night game against the Jets. That opened the door for Baker Mayfield. Here's Baker Mayfield talking about his belief that Tyrod Taylor may have been taken for granted during his time in Cleveland. I think people took Tyrod for granted. Uh, I think um, he's an extremely good leader. Uh, I think, you know, his work ethic alone, just his routine and being the same guy every single day for um, every single person in the building is, you know, it's a tremendous way of, uh, you know, showing his leadership. Um, obviously, great athlete. He's a great quarterback. Um, it, it just, everything that he taught me, leading by example and doing different things, not not saying that we we lead the same way, but there's always different ways to learn, and I'm very thankful to you know to have stepped in a QB room with Drew Stanton and Tarad that uh, I was able to learn from those guys, and it's something I'm you know obviously uh, very grateful for. Hey Peter, you know I was very impressed by what the Texans did on Sunday. They went out and gathered a bunch of veteran players who came in, got it together made quick work of the Jacksonville Jaguars, and I'm not going to suggest that the Texans can go to Cleveland and beat the Browns in their home opener, but whatever the spread is, 12.5 last I saw it, maybe even grown more than that. I think the Texans can keep it respectable. I think that's the key this year for the uh, the Texans. They're going to be, based on what we saw last week, respectable. And they have an opportunity to lose on Sunday, but still do it in a way that makes us say, hey, you know what? This isn't the worst team the NFL has seen in 50 years. It's now 13, by the way. 13-point underdogs are the Texans. I think they cover. What do you think? Uh, I don't know. I think the Browns are going to win this game handily. Um, but I, I'll tell you the thing that really impressed me, and I talked to Taylor after the game. What really impressed me is how he has handled one of the toughest situations that any player in football has had to handle this year. Number one, he comes into what is essentially an expansion team, and he has to know that there's very little chance that he's going to be the quarterback of the Houston Texans for the next 10 years. Okay, this isn't a signing to say, you're our guy for the long-term future. This is a short-term deal for Tyrod Taylor. And so he comes into this situation, and then every day when he comes to work, the longest shadow in recent NFL history, the shadow of Deshaun Watson, is hanging over his shoulder. How, whatever cliche I'm trying to use there. And, and so to me, that's hard enough. 
But just imagine basically the talent, add the talent gap to that and, and know that you don't have a great and, and tremendously talented team and you've got a general manager who, if anybody will give you a draft pick for any player on the roster, he'll take it. You, you look, and I don't blame Nick Casario at all because he's trying to build for the future. Somebody wants to give a three for Bradley Roby, hey, take him. So my point is, this is as tough a situation as any free agent this year has walked into in the NFL. And to see how Taylor played, to see that David Culley somehow, someway convinced these guys, you're an NFL franchise and we're winning this game. And again, Jacksonville's not any good. We know that. They play in the NFL, you know? And so to me, I thought that was one of the two or three most impressive wins of week one and a great, great redemptive moment for a guy who deserved it in Tyrod Taylor. If the Browns get the win on Sunday, they'll do it once again without Odell Beckham Jr. He tore that ACL week seven against the Bengals last year. Didn't play week one. It felt like it was a game time type of a thing. It was game day when we found out he wouldn't play. This week he's scratched as of Wednesday. I don't know when we're going to see him, Peter. I'm stunned he wasn't on the physically unable to perform list. If there was any question about his ability to go early season, he's taken up a roster spot. Uh, we're getting into week three, week four, week five. I I don't know when we see him, and frankly, I didn't notice that the Browns were any worse without him last week. They didn't lose the game because he wasn't on the field. I think it's a plus if they get him. I just don't know when we're going to see him. I don't think anybody does. You know, the Cleveland Browns right now, Mike, are 11-12 and 12 when Odell Beckham plays for them. They're 7-5. and five when he doesn't play for him. And so I, I'm not sure what the hesitation is in playing him. All, all you can figure is he, he must not be ready in the eyes of the medical staff and of Kevin Stefanski. But look at it, Mike. You know, as I look at this team right now, you know, there's no question in my mind that Jarvis Landry is a more valuable receiver in that room. And look, Anthony Schwartz, he has got some blinding speed. And I'm not saying he's you know, going to replace Odell Beckham, but I'm, what I am saying is that I don't think that the Browns went into that game in Kansas City and lost because they didn't have Odell Beckham Jr. You know, they did enough late to lose to a very good team. But I think the overriding thing I would say is that I understand he's a great player you know, when he plays. But the fact is, over the last four years, he's played 57% of the games that his team has played. And at some point, that becomes a very big factor in the value of a player to a team. All I know is this. We mentioned the trade deadline as it relates to Deshaun Watson. Odo Beckham Jr. is a guy I'm keeping an eye on to possibly be traded between now and November 2. Because I really don't think the Browns offense, as it's currently constituted, can get full value out of Odell Beckham Jr. And if anything, he can be a detriment. We could see moments like the Kenny Galladay moment that we discussed in the first segment of the show. So let's keep an eye on that. we got six weeks and four days. When we return, a quick Friday round of which doesn't belong and why. More PFT Live right after this. 
get back. Here guys. it is. The season's on the line. Two receivers left and right. McCown takes the snap. He steps up. He's all by himself. Fires into the end zone. Touch! Touchdown! No! No! The Cardinals have knocked the Vikings no. out of the playoffs. <laughs> no. That's our good friend Paul Allen. 2003 <laughs> regular season finale knocked the Vikings out of the playoffs. That was before they got rid of the force out rule. Didn't get two feet down. You used to be able to get the ruling from the official that you would have gotten the two feet down. That rule went bye bye. One last point. All on right, this, Mike. Peter. Mike. Mike. Go ahead. Where were you? And tell me what you did. When that play happened, I want to know exactly what you, where you were, and what your emotions were. 2003, basement of the last house we lived in, watching the game with my nephew. My sister's family was visiting from Columbus for the Christmas holiday, and I, I shouted a word that I shouldn't have shouted in mixed company, and with my nephew around. So yeah, I remember that vividly. That was the last home game that the Cardinals played without Larry Fitzgerald on the team. Sunday will be the first home game since that game for the Cardinals without Larry Fitzgerald. All right, let's get to it. Which doesn't belong and why? Vikings, Titans, Cowboys, which doesn't belong and why? They are all road underdogs staring down 0-2. Who doesn't belong and why? I think the Vikings don't belong because I think the Vikings are going to still have a good season. I don't think they're going to have a great season But I worry about the Dallas consistency and their ability on defense to stop anybody. Uh, And I don't know what to think of the Titans. Yeah, I think the Titans don't belong because to me, of the three teams that lost, these three teams that lost week one, theirs was the ugliest and almost a week one disqualifier from being a true contender in the AFC. Vikings and Cowboys still very much alive, but the Vikings got a lot of crap that they got to iron out if they want to turn it around. Jalen Hurts, Tua Tonga-Vailoa, Mac Jones, the three Alabama quarterbacks, which doesn't belong and why heading into week two. Uh, I would say the one who doesn't belong heading into week two uh, is Jalen Hurts. And I say that in a positive way because I believed coming into this season that the Eagles were going to give Jalen Hurts his shot and by midseason they would know, okay, we got to go after Deshaun Watson or put all our chips to the middle of the table and trade up for whoever the best quarterback is in the draft next year. But Jalen Hurts... In my opinion, I'm not saying he shocked the world, but Jalen Hurts showed that he belongs in the in the breath with those other two guys when you're talking about who's going to have the best year this year. I'd say Mac Jones because he really is the only one whose future with the Patriots, with his current team, feels cemented. It's got a tenuous vibe with the other guys, but Jalen Hurts did enough week one. If he keeps playing like that, there's not going to be a tenuous vibe. He's going to be the guy that the Eagles keep long-term at the quarterback position. Last one, Christian McCaffrey, Derwin James, Nick Bosa, guys back in the mix after injuries, which doesn't belong and why? I would say Christian McCaffrey for this reason. I think Christian McCaffrey right now is, you know, after one week, he is the leading contender for yards from scrimmage. 
and I really think he's going to make it the full season. I need another five or six games before I will know whether Bosa and James. I mean, look, Derwin James was fantastic in that first game, Mike. He's played five, six games in the last two-plus seasons. So I need to see more out of them. I believe we are going to see a full season out of Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, look, I, I, I say McCaffrey doesn't belong because I think he is, and, and, and no disrespect to the other guys, he's gotten his second contract and he wants to prove that he deserves it. Of all the running backs that got big deals last year, he and Joe Mixon were the ones who who didn't earn it because they were banged up. McCaffrey had that ankle injury week two of last year. He needs to stay healthy. He had a great week. And uh, if he keeps playing like he did week one, the Panthers are a team that needs to be taken seriously. All right, let's take a break. Week two, show me something. We'll do that draft next here on PFT Live. I got a chance to uh, to go against them last year in Cincinnati which um, you know, it, it was obviously felt a lot different uh, being there uh, as the away team rather than, than the home team, being in a diff- different locker room and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, luckily I, I, I kind of got that uh, out of the way last year, and now I'm just focused on doing what we can to win the game. You don't feel that little bit of extra tugging at you anymore going up against your old team? Well, I wouldn't say that, but... Andy Dalton's going to probably wish at some point that Sunday's game against the Bengals was in Cincinnati. I don't expect a warm reception for the guy that everyone in Chicago wants to run straight into the lake. They want Justin Fields. A lot of pressure on Dalton this week. Show me something, Draft Peter. I've gi- I'll give you the first pick. No time for trivia. What do you got? Show me something, Aaron Rodgers. I mean, I think the most stunning thing at the end of one week of the NFL season is that Aaron Rodgers is the bottom rated quarterback in all of football and it's by 33 rating points wow so look I understand that one game is only one game I get it but the natives are restless in the state of Wisconsin and they have their good friends the Detroit Lions coming in Monday night. Aaron Rodgers, show me not only something, show me a ton. Peter, I know you're a big fantasy football guy, so you'll appreciate this. Week one, Aaron (laughs) Rodgers, total fantasy points on the NFL app, 1.32. Marcus Mariota on the field for one snap, 3.1. So that's where Aaron Rodgers currently is all right uh an mvp candidate the mvp from last year who fell off dramatically week one how about another guy who's an mvp candidate who didn't have the kind of performance we thought josh allen show me something josh allen going out of miami that was kind of his coming out party last year when they played the dolphins week two needs to do it again this year to get everything even keeled again for a bills team that surely didn't expect to have that big celebration last week at home against the steelers and lose so show me something josh allen Show me something, Lamar Jackson. And look, I'm going to make this a little bit bigger than it is, but that's what we do. Um, My feeling is that there are some games when the odds are stacked against your team and everything is on your shoulder. Everybody in the organization is looking at you. Hey, Lamar, running, running situation is a debacle. We got injuries on the offensive line. Our best cover guy is gone for the year. We have issues. We need you. And you got maybe the best player in the sport coming in to play against you. 
Lamar Jackson, show me something by beating Patrick Mahomes and the Mighty Chiefs Sunday night at the Big Crab Cake. Show me something, and I'm reluctant to say this because he did show me something last week, just not in the way that we're used to seeing it. Show me something, Ezekiel Elliott. Take a little heat off of that passing game. Yes, great job picking up blitzes over and over and over again week one. Kudos. And maybe the game plan was never even designed for him to have more than, I think it was 11 carries for 33 yards. But show me old school Ezekiel Elliott at the first Chargers game at SoFi Stadium with fans present, which means the place is going to be overrun by Cowboys fans. Home away from home. Show me something, Ezekiel Elliott. I'm going to stay in the running back uh, fraternity, Mike. Show me something, Josh Jacobs. This is a game, Raiders at Pittsburgh, where you're going to watch the tape of the Pittsburgh Steelers, and you're going to say, whoa, where did that pass rush come from that wasn't all named T.J. Watt? They had a great defensive game plan against the Buffalo Bills. And there's no question in my mind, especially with, uh, you know, the inexperienced Alex Leatherwood at right tackle, that Derek Carr is going to be under the gun at 1 o'clock Eastern Sunday afternoon. So I say, Josh Jacobs, you've got to do better than 10 carries for 34 yards, which you did on, on Monday night. Show me something, Josh Jacobs. You know, this is the second time this guy is making an appearance in one of the drafts this week. He was in the goats in a bad way, uh, but which I think, qualifies you for show me something come Friday but Mike Zimmer show me something against the Cardinals show me that you've got a plan for neutralizing and containing Kyler Murray the Vikings have typically done very well against Russell Wilson well Kyler Murray a lot more elusive and explosive than Russell Wilson and I still don't know why they were defending the 50 yard line in overtime like it was the goal line and allowing for Joe Burrow to audible to a pass that put the team in field goal range to get the walk off win that had to eat at Mike Zimmer he's had some some boastful comments recently about how good of a defensive coordinator he is show me something against one of the best quarterbacks in the game and I think that's it is that Mike, it I'm going to give it. you unless you got another one go ahead if you got one more I got I got one very quick one one sentence show me something Jameis Winston not saying show me that you're not a one-hit wonder show me with some adversity with your coaching staff going on the road in the division a trap game Show me that you're just as good as you were against the Packers on Sunday. And I'll throw in, show me something, Jimmy Garoppolo. Look, he played most of the game last week, and it kind of quieted all the talk about if and when he's going to be benched. This is a better opponent on the road, getting ready for that home opener. He he could be cementing his spot for the full season if he can get it done on Sunday against the Philadelphia Eagles. Let's take a break. We'll wrap up this Friday edition of PFT Live right after this. Sunday, plenty of games. Give me an underdog that you like, Peter. I like Tennessee this week, Mike. Uh, Just when things look dark, Mike Vrabel is very good at uh, getting the troops to be able to play well against adversity. And, And look, he's called out Julio Jones, his most famous player, after one week. So he's basically telling, hey, look, nobody on this team, nobody is sacrosanct, and I'm calling you out if you screw up. So listen, he will tell his team, this is the game of our year and we got to win it. And I think they beat Seattle.
Going to be very interesting to see how Julio Jones responds. He was treated for years by the Falcons with kid gloves. And uh, right. one week in, the gloves are off for Mike Vrabel, and Julio Jones heard it. I like the Bengals. This isn't really going out on a limb. The, the, the line had moved from like three to one. I like the Bengals to beat the Bears. I'm really impressed with what Joe Burrow did week one against the Vikings. I, I still like... I like I like the Texans to cover too. I really do. How much Justin Fields do you think we're going to see in that game between the Bears and the Bengals? You tell me what the score is at halftime, and I'll tell you how much <laughs> Justin Fields. If the Bears are up by ten, Justin Fields will be velcroed to the bench. Anything different, we'll probably see a bunch of them. I feel bad for Matt Nagy. I know what he's trying to do. I know he's trying to bring Justin Fields along slowly. The Patrick Mahomes approach, it just doesn't work with a franchise that is so desperate for a franchise quarterback. And they, you've got this brand new car. Let us drive the brand new car. Don't make us wait until next year. We want to drive that car now. All right, we managed not to drive the show over the cliff. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the game. Thanks, Peter. Have a great weekend, everybody. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. (laughs) 